how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Shannon Burke is the author of Safe Light, Black Flies, and Into the Savage Country. Recently, he decided to partner with his screenwriting friends, the brothers Jonas and Josh Pate, to write a coming-of-age action-adventure story. The idea of Outer Banks came from an article about a power outage on the Outer Banks. Pate said there was a photograph taken at dusk of these darkened mansions. It was just this evocative image that stuck with him. He told the story to Burke, and they soon started to write an outline for what later became the Netflix series Outer Banks. They wanted to do something based on memories from high school and that period of adolescence. According to the description, the series is about a group of teenagers from the wrong side of the tracks who stumble upon a treasure map that unearths a long-buried secret. In this interview, the writers discuss their fascination with 19th century novels, how to cut the safety net to write professionally, when to literally burn a bad novel, and why writers need resignation, not confidence, to start their career. If you enjoyed this interview, look for the print version on Creative Screenwriting's website, and join millions of viewers for the new YouTube video essay series, also called Creative Principles. So, I was a novelist, I am a novelist, I have a, even, I have a book coming out this summer, um, and I, uh, some of my friends are into screenwriting, and after my first book, uh, just a draft of it, actually, someone I got the call from Steve Gagan, who who said, if you, he's like, let's work on the script, and if it gets made, uh, I'll make you a producer. And so I said, okay. And it was this movie abandoned, and I ended up getting made. And uh, uh, so since then, I, so I just kept doing my novels, but I would do, uh, every once in a while, I would, not every once in a while, like sort of, Simultaneously, like around the, at the same time, parallel career, I would work on films. And so for 20 years, I would write fiction, but then I would also be pulled away and do movies. And that's, it's, it came through fiction. Um, and I never really planned on having a TV or movie career, but it just happened, like almost organically, I guess. And so I 
didn't plan on it. I wanted to be a fiction writer, and I guess I am a fiction writer, but I have this other career, too, as a screenwriter. So that's how it happened. You know, I wanted to be a novelist, too. When I got out of college, I'd been an English major, and um, I have a twin brother who was really focused on film, and I tried working on a novel right when I first got out of school, and I quickly realized it was way too hard. And my uh, and so we just I, we tried a screenplay, and uh, it's a crazy story. Um, we were I was living in New York City. Um, I couldn't afford it, so I, w- I went back home to Riceville Beach, where a lot of like Outer Banks is inspired by. And we were living at the beach, and we wrote a screenplay, and we went down. Uh, Dennis Hopper had a house there, and so we put our we, we, we got a bed sheet and hung it on the light post across the street from Dennis Hopper's house and pay, and said, Dennis, we have a script, call us. And we, and we didn't, we didn't hear anything. And two months later I was watching a basketball game and the phone rings and I picked up and it was, you know, it's Dennis, do you want to come over and watch the game and bring that script over here? And uh, he gave it to some people some agent. Was, the, was the thing still hanging out? And was this was the No, I didn't take it the... down, but uh he even he only found out about it uh anyway, it was kind of a convoluted way, but um anyway, that was kind of the the first thing and then that's how it started. My brother kinda of dragged me into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess like for 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 me like I, I so ever like to tell stories, my the real specific is I was working as a paramedic in New York. I was writing, and uh, I was home. And my I was home in Chicago where I grew up for my mother's birthday, and I got a phone call. And I've been working out as a paramedic for five years, and um, I got a call, and it said, "I read a draft of your first of your book of your novel. It's really good. Don't worry about it. It's going to get published. Right now, I need help on a script. Help me with the script." When it gets made, I'll make you a producer. Quit your job right now. So I got this phone call, and I sat there. I'm like, holy shit. Like, am I going to – and uh, and so I didn't do it right away. Like, I thought about it for a little bit, and then I did it. I quit. But it, there was, there was like, a real moment like that where you got a phone call, and you're like, all right, am I going to quit my whole life and do something else? And so – but I did, and it, it sort of all worked out. all worked out. So I'm actually, uh, I'm from North Carolina. I went to Wilmington as well. We both went to Chapel Hill. Yeah. No, I just, I knew this, the show was inspired by the area. I think you guys are filming in South Carolina mostly. So it's one thing to, you know, have confidence in your work, but to take like bold actions like that, to, to put up a sign and try and make contact or to totally switch your career. What advice do you have for just that level of confidence in the work you're doing and not only to get the conversation started, but to present the work. I wouldn't describe it as confidence. It was just kind of like, I, I really wanted to, uh, I, I really wanted to make books or movies and I really liked them, but and it was, uh, more like a desperation than a confidence. And, uh, but I also, uh, I took it really seriously, and I tried for a long time to become a better writer. And as Shannon did, I think it was like like I was I was committed. By the time I was 23, you know, I decided when I was about 19 that I loved fiction and I was going to write fiction. So uh, I had written a lot of stuff, and I did a big, you know, my thesis at Carolina was a series of short stories 
And then when I got out of school, I tried to write, I wrote a 300 page novel and burned it because I reread it and realized how bad it sucked. And so, uh, you know, that's the other piece is I guess I wanted someone to read my work because, uh, I had written a lot and I thought, you know, I had gotten better. I felt like I was getting better. So my answer is, you know, similar, like in that, but that's like, it's weird. Like I've gotten a few questions like that recently about the confidence and it, it was never, I didn't have confidence. Like I had no confidence. I don't even know if I have confidence now. It's like, but it's the only thing you do. And so it doesn't matter if you have confidence or not. You just, it's a level of resignation, really. like where you've destroyed your life. You know, like I was like a good student at Carolina. I, I was supposed to be, I was going to be a lawyer. I did really well on the LSAT and I decided not to do it and instead became a writer. You know, basically I thought it was going to be poor for my whole life. Like I just was going to write, write stories. I ended up falling into becoming a paramedic. So, you know, but at that time in the mid nineties, everybody you knew who graduated at that time, you know, I graduated in 88. So I had some years of wandering around, but that's around the time people started getting professions. Everybody was, was getting rich. Everybody you knew from that generation who sort of fell in, like there was a huge upswing in the mid-90s, everybody's getting rich. And I was living in like the worst circumstances, like working at, you know, for New York City EMS. And, uh, but I was writing every day. I was spending at least seven or eight hours a day, every single day, seven days a week to write. And so by the time you have something, it's not confidence, you're just... Uh, you've destroyed your life to do this thing or, you know, you've changed your life and you figure you have no choice. Uh, It's not, and and, you know, you might as well give them something. And and so I, I guess, I guess that's what happens. And I think that in the very biggest picture is you just put enough work in that it's just a, you don't have any choice except to show people what you've done because you've spent thousands and thousands of hours doing this thing and you think you've been getting better and you slowly are starting to understand how to do it. And, and so you just try, you know, you have nothing, no other choice except to try. What's kind of been both your experiences. Uh, it sounds like, you know, Shannon, you're more into, you, pref- you think of yourself maybe as a novelist, Josh, you may think of yourself as more of a screenwriter. No, no, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case. I came into it through screen, through novel writing. Now, if you're saying, do I think of myself as more of a novelist than a screenwriter? I don't know. It's like both. I, I, it's just weird that you ask that because I haven't thought of that. But when you, when you ask it, I don't, I don't feel I'm one or the other. I, I do both. I like fiction. I mean, if I was practical, I would never write another word of fiction because in every way, more people see uh, movies or TV. You get paid a lot more for it. It's like a insanely time-consuming hobby. Um, but, you know, it's where my, you know, I guess where my heart is where I started out, and I like it. You get way more freedom with fiction. You can do what you want. You can be really personal and not have to worry that you're being personal. And so you, that feels really good. But, you know, having having millions of people see something is also feels good. So it's both. I don't, so I don't want, I don't want to characterize it as like I'm more of one or the other. Cause I, I don't, at least that's not the way I feel. What's it like kind of transitioning? Do you still go back and forth? Does that help with any type of, you know, creative blocks you have to move from, you know, novel thinking to screenplay thinking? It's the same. I mean, the thinking is the same. I mean, I, and I've said this, like, I always say this where people ask that question and like literally 
90% of writing is thinking is like getting the right pattern of scenes and the characters and all that stuff is the same. It doesn't, it's like one where like the mental length of a series of TV is, is really similar to a novel. So it's super familiar. Like the, the two, uh, there's this big overlap. It's just like in the very end piece you do with in one way or in another. Um, I would say the one thing I would say is that like, say my novels are personal. They're always like, they're about like my new book is about, uh, my childhood. And so in a way that I don't think you could do it that in TV in the same way. And so it's nice. Like I have that, but then when you, you know, again, like you have this other thing that's going to reach way more people and that's, that's nice too. It's not, it's not, I, I guess it would be liberating because you have both, uh, you know, you have this really personal thing, like, like where, where people write poems or something where it's just like, it's an impression you have and it's a way to, it's a way to express it. Um, and then the, it needs to have a broader appeal for TV because, you know, they're spending a lot of money and it, they need to get their money back like that. So tell me a little bit about this new idea for Outer Banks. Where did it come from? Um, is there any lineage to, you know, no, I know it's in South Carolina, but North Carolina Outer Banks are known for Dawson's Creek, One Tree Hill. This is obviously more fast-paced action. But is there any lineage there? Where did this idea kind of come from? You know, I can, um, the first, uh, like, uh, seed of the whole thing was I had seen an article in a, a uh, it was a photograph about a power outage on the Outer Banks, and there was a photograph taken at dusk, like in the gloaming, of these darkened mansions. And I mentioned something that it was, you know, it was just kind of a evocative image, and it kind of stayed with me for a second. And I mentioned it to Shannon, and kind of a natural um, conversation ensued where we both talked. We both realized we wanted to do something that was. Um, based on memories of high school and the, and the period of adolescence. And that led to a conversation about, uh, you, you know, movies and books that had uh, done a similar thing, like The Outsiders was one that we loved. And, uh, it, and, then, it, and then at that point it was conscious. And, we, we, you know, we were going to try to put set something in this world. It was really personal to me because a lot of the – the milieu is is where I went to high school. I had a twink. I had a VW van that was a twink that we called the Twinkie. Um, I, I was part. There was like a beach scene down there that was very have and have not. So a lot of that is a lot of that aspect of the series was autobiographical. And then Shannon brought his own uh, high school memories into it, and it just started to evolve. Yeah, there there was sort of uh, there's. The, the class stuff was, I think, for both of us. There's lots of class stuff, and then there, you know, we, everyone just threw in their, you know, what they, uh, what they remember. But there's lots of a lot of the details, the very specific details, are from Josh and Jonas's summers on Kiwa, I would say, right? Yeah, and then so we had this real this milieu of characters, kind of like this bed of characters that we like. And Shannon and I kicked that around back and forth. And, uh, and Josh, do you, do you, Josh, do you remember why we started talking? Like how we, what the event was? Uh, remind me. It was the Carolina won the championship. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, almost, in 2017, we, we, we started talking around the champ because we both went to Carolina, we're both basketball fans, and we, we started talking around the time 
process like so some of this you're thinking back some of it's based on you know high points in certain stories and books you're familiar with 
How do you write evergreen content for young people? Like, are, are, you, are you avoiding saying certain things or, you know, really showing what time and place it is? How do you kind of make the language universal and ongoing? Josh, you were just talking about the, I mean, it, it's sort of, I wouldn't say it's conscious in the way like, oh, we, we're trying to do this or that. But it's more like where Josh was just saying these sort of uh, universal um, touchdowns. It's just like, what is what is the thing? And there also is lots of talk about what would really happen. Like, where, like, you're in this situation, what would really happen? And then that sort of like cross, there's this other thing where we just want that, we always want there to be tension. We want there to be dramatic tension all the time. You know, so we want it to happen. Like, what's, what, what's the universal touchstone? And then how to do that in the most dramatic way? I guess those are the two. Like there are two masters that are pulling, and so it's and we fail. We fail constantly at it. We, yeah. you know, for every script that we finish, but you know, the fifty-page script we've probably written at least three hundred pages, and uh, so we we try things, and we realize it's failing to generate tension, or it's not a it's not a um, powerful enough uh, plot with hard edges, and we and we can't think our way. To the solutions, we have to write our way to the solutions. So it means that we throw a lot away. You know, I, and I would say that the one thing that um, is that it's like once we're on, I think both of us are really good at um, sensing when something works. And so once it starts working, like once you have five pages, or maybe not five is probably a little too little, like once you have eight or nine pages or ten pages that work, like we sort of smell blood in the water. I mean, you can feel what wants to come next. You can just feel the story. What wants to, you know, what's going to happen next? And so you go forward and you push the rock a little forward, a little, and then eventually you get the whole script. But a lot of that is, it's not, uh, it's not planned. It's instinct. Like you sort of know what people, what, what those universal things are, and, and some of those like, oh, we're going to get those in. And a lot of it is like you just get there and you're like, what do I want to, what do I want to see next? And that's like a really important question. What do I want to? You know, once you have, it's hard to get uh, uh, traction, like getting started. But once you get started, like that question is, so what comes next? Uh, and that's a kind of beginning. You know, like hard. yeah, beginning is the hardest. And 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 so not to be slavishly uh, following your outline, but just once you're started, like what do you want to see? And so there's lots of random things in the in the in Outer Banks that I think make it feel sort of organic or real, like that, that people respond to are just because you're in the scene and you're like, okay, well, what if this happens? You know, and so like have room to have uh, inspiration or just eccentricity, I guess. And, and that's definitely on the actor's side too. Like they're, they're really good at, at knowing their characters and, and ad-libbing and um, adapting. And then Jonas, you know, we have a, and then Jonas doing the directing, you know, one thing, one thing that kind of I think that makes it work is we have this verite handheld style, and part of that was a production issue in that we couldn't do uh, meticulous filmmaking, lay dolly track and all that, and make the schedule given how big the scope of the show was versus the budget. So we made this kind of practical decision to go handheld, but it was also like a creative thing that we liked about it in that in a heightened storyline where, you know, if you look at the plot of the first season, it's bonkers. And, but just to have a heightened storyline, like shot in a verite way creates this, um, 
kind of like a believable non-believableness kind of where uh, you'll just go with it and this crazy adventure can kind of unfurl and you and, and you'll stay inside of it without having the spell broken yeah and, and that was that was like a core principle and it was and the, it's also what really helped because Jonas isn't just obviously you know he's there at the writing you know he's all the it's it's not like some a lot of the shows have people directors brought in from the outside but like the director is one of the creators you know and he's there at the you know, right alongside of all the scripts. So it, it, it you know, it's instrumental in, in the uh, execution when, when, they, when they go into production. You may have already kind of answered this, but it's obviously a very fast-paced show. Um, what are some other roles of the adventure genre? I know, like, you know, if you go back and watch Indiana Jones, there's action like every six or seven minutes. Is is that something that just naturally happens, as you kind of already mentioned, or are you making sure there's a lot going on? And what are some of the rules of this genre? Uh, I think it's like, well, um, it's you. I think you. I wouldn't even confirm its rules because everyone interprets them, but it's just studying uh, the ones that work really well. Is you know watching Raiders fifty eight times and saying, okay, God, I feel really tense right now. How did Spielberg do that to me? You know, and you and you start to reverse engineer like the times where you were really affected, and it's like learning a magic trick almost. And 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 there's and within that, there's lots of um, ways to get the audience expecting one thing and then getting them on the you know on the wrong foot. And they're almost like uh, tricks of the trade, and there's a million of them, but they'll start to become obvious when you see them, like they're little gags sometimes. Um, and uh, if you have a kind of a wealth of these kind of um, gadgets because you studied them, you say, oh, we can get them out of this pickle like in, you know, Strangers on a Train did it, you know, in 19 blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, so that's what I think of is, um, is studying when it's done really well. And it's done really well in novels, too. Shannon and I are both big fans of like a certain type of literary um, genre fiction. Um like, uh, you know, obviously Graham Greene and John Buchan and those guys, but I like kind of at literary elephant still genre. Yeah, and, and I would I would just second that it's not it's not there's definitely not rules. It's not it's just sort of not the vibe of the way we think. I think you know it's more, but there is this thing where when there's not tension, like say in this third script, there was a moment we're doing it. We thought we wanted like the so we're working on the second season. We wanted to uh, uh, slow down a little because we you need you know, the, the two things, speed and tension, fight uh, depth of character, like the two fight each other. And so you have to have tension, but you need to slow down a little so you can sort of get to know people. And, and those two things are always warring against each other. And uh, you can't choose that either because you want to you keep the – People, you don't want to keep people. If it was a book, you'd want to keep the pages turning, you know, and you you don't want to make sure that people don't click off. So, it's, it's I think it's really a feel thing where, you know, you have to spend enough time with the characters that you get to know them, but you can't spend too much time where they start getting bored because nothing's happened for a while. So, uh, that I would say that is instinct and feel more than rules. And then I think it's just at the bottom, and this is part of like the actors and. Um, you, you you just have to make the audience 
they really just have to care about the characters. That's why they keep going with it. But there are limits about, you know, we need something to happen. But at the, the core root of it is like when we solve the problems, we solve the problems best by going back to the, what's happening to the characters and what is, what is John B. feeling at this moment. And yeah, yeah. A lot of times we, yeah, I was gonna just second that, Josh. A lot of times we have problems. We're like, what? We sort of go back and like, all right, what's happened to him? And so we just review, like, all right, this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. And somehow, like, a lot of times that will help. Like, you sort of reorient yourself to that person's mindset. And so, what are they gonna do? And that's and and you just, it's not, you know, it's not a magic. It's it's sort of just logic. Like you go there, but. With all the different balls in the air, sometimes you forget, like, what one, you know, each character needs to act, uh, not how, like, you'd move them across the chessboard, but how that character would act in that situation. And a lot of times that will get, you know, will solve a problem if you, if you, like, just go back and think of it in that way. It always makes things better. Sometimes we get caught up in doing a caper or something, but when we go back to the knitting of the, um, the what's happening how do the characters feel? How does John B. feel? Does he feel guilty? Is he scared? Is he angry? Um, what, you know, and the, 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 when, once we understand that better, it tends to uh, break the ice for us. It, it, so it's, it's not only, and it makes the story better. Uh, because when you do that as the writer, then I think the audience does that when they watch it. It's, they, they stay inside the characters. They live through the characters more. Is there any advice you'd like to pass on to novice screenwriters or any advice you wish you had before you started this project? I would say uh, if, you don't, if you don't try really hard, you're in for it. So you better be committed, you know, and, uh, and then have fun. Yeah, I, that's that's to have fun. That's good. And just work. You know, it's, uh, I, I would say just keep writing. Like there's no, there's no – people are always asking that question, like what – there's no magic formula. Like, it's just that you, but there's so many people who want to do it, unless you're insanely talented at, that it, you, your only way through it is just to write, work really hard, write all the time, get really comfortable with what you can do, you know, because you'll start out trying to imitate all the people that you admire, and you won't be able to do all the stuff that they do. It's just like people have different talents, but, you'll, you know, if you write enough, you'll get comfortable with what you can do. And, and so when you come up with a problem, you're like, all right, well, this, these are the tools I have at my disposal. This is how I'm going to solve this problem. And uh, I, it, like that's the, sort of the only way through it is just to keep writing. And that is our show. Thanks again for tuning in. If it's your first time, make sure to hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud or iTunes. Also check out the new video essay series on YouTube called Creative Principles. And give us a review. That's one of the best ways to help share these interviews. Thanks again.